Come on, good morning, everybody. It's good to see all of your bright, shiny faces. If it's not bright and shiny, please make it bright and shiny because I got to look at you, all right? Let's all stand. We're going to worship the Lord. And I hope that everybody here has victory in Jesus. Amen. Put your hands together.
this morning. Well, if you would, put a smile on your face, turn around, and tell somebody, you sure do look good today. Let's fellowship a little bit, and then we're going to continue to worship, all right?
some good fellowship. All right. Uh, you can uh, be seated, and Brother Martin is going to give us our announcements. Good morning. All right, so uh, first things first, do we have any first-time visitors out uh, this time? If you are a first-time visitor, just signify it by raising your hand. We've got one right over here. The gentleman in the red shirt is uh, holding his hand up. That's a yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm on the slow train. It took me a minute. <laughs> so, I have some breaking news for you this morning. We have other things that go on at this church besides just Sunday morning. Wednesdays, Wednesdays, we have Bible study at 10 o'clock. Then we have a great meal that is prepared uh, and ready for you to eat by 6 p.m., and then the teenagers come in here. We have something for children, and we have something for adults. I know, it's groundbreaking. So if you've not been coming, if you are able to, we try to make it as easy on you as, you, as we can. Then on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock, we have a gentleman, or sometimes we switch out, that teach the Word of God right over there. So encourage you to come at 10. Um, we do need more volunteers for help with children, uh, children and nursery. Uh, just see Miss Cindy is, or Miss Ginger for that. Um, need help on the cleaning crew. Uh, see Miss Kate Johnson for, if you want to help with that. Also, we have a uh, pretty big event going on here this afternoon. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna honor one of our pillars of this church, uh, a giant in 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 our church. Uh, Uncle Buck or Brother Buck, however, whatever you want to call them here at 3 p.m. So go eat a little something and then come back and let's honor the life and legacy of Uncle Buck. Amen. Also, tomorrow, and I know there's some parents in here, uh, you need to hear this because I'm bad at communicating. We are going to church camp. So if your child is going with me, uh, we are going to meet up here around 12. We're going to be leaving around 1.30. Um, just make sure that they do eat before they come. They're not going to eat again till 5.30. And those of you that are not going, um, just pray for me throughout the week. I know that we are only taking kids with halos above their heads, but, you know, uh, sometimes the devil does move in. So just pray for me and Allie and that, you know, we just have an awesome time at camp, which I know we always do. Um, Friday. They will be back Friday around 2 o'clock, but normally I give them my phone and they'll text you. Um, then also, right after that, we're going uh, to have BBS at Landmark, August 3rd through the 6th. Um, it's going to be in the evening time, right, Miss Cindy? Okay, it's going to be in the evening time, so we do need workers. Uh, we do need people to help with these kids, so just see Miss Cindy on that. No life recovery class today, and other than that, let's uh, get our praise on. Amen. Amen. Give Brother Martin a big hand if you would. Hey, let's uh, let's stand. We're going to continue to worship. And we're going to sing one of my favorite new songs. <clears throat> it's called Too Good to Not Believe. Amen. How many of you believe that God is uh, still does miracles, still heals, still saves the, the one that's farthest away from him? Amen. Uh, he's too good. I've seen him do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Amen. All right. Let's sing it together here. Thank you. 
Prodigals return Don't, Don't you tell me, me. 
Father, we love you. We praise you, God. Your goodness, your mercy endures forever, Father. Lord, we have that assurance that we will be with you one day, Father. But I want to just mention if there's someone here that doesn't have that assurance, that if you were to take your last breath here today, do you know where you would spend eternity? Because our Jesus died on a cross for you. He's made a way. He's given you his gift of salvation. Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, you would just be in this place this morning. And I just pray that your word would come alive. And it would just touch of our hearts this morning, God. Lord, just remove the distractions. Help us to focus on you, God, this morning. We thank you. We praise you. You are our story. Lord, we praise you all the day long. We praise you all the day long, Jesus. Everyone said amen. 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 Let's think of the Lord one more clap offering this morning because he is good. Amen. Brother Robert Cheek helping us on the drums this morning. Give Brother Robert a big hand. Amen. If you've got kids that would like to go to Children's Church, they can go to the uh, the doors there, and Miss Cindy is there, and Miss Ginger, I think, is already back there. So you go and help. Give our uh, children's workers a big hand. Always do a great job. Got a good crew this morning, amen? That is wonderful, wonderful. All right. Wonderful. Hey, um, I do hope that you will be back tonight. Uh, or this afternoon, 3 o'clock, don't forget, Brother Buck, I know he was very special uh, to all of us. If you knew him at all, if you ever met him, you only had to meet him once, and he was real special in your life, amen. And uh, he, uh, I said last week, and I will say it again, those are big shoes to fill. Uh, and, uh, you know, as, as we begin to lose some of this older generation, it makes me wonder who's going to stand in the gap, Amen. Who's going to stand up? Who's going to take their place? Who's going to fill those shoes? And those are awful big shoes to fill. Amen. And uh, I told you all last week, I, I uh, talked to you last week about uh, soul winning and how uh, Brother Buck and Brother Mike, they inspired me. I need to be a better soul winner. Amen. Because uh, those two guys are gone and they were strong soul winners. So I need to I need to step up my game in that. And I think we could probably all say that. we need to. If you've been saved by the glorious grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you surely you want somebody else to know that same grace and mercy. Amen. Amen. And so the only way they, that we can do that is how will they hear if somebody doesn't go. Amen. So we all must go. We all must open our mouth. We all must share the good gospel story. Well, I usually preach to you based on what's happened during the week and based on what's kind of going on in my life and what's going on in other people's life around the church. So 
I'm going to talk to you today about the prodigal son, uh, because a lot of what I have received over the last week or two is just people very distressed about loved ones, family members, people that are wandering far from the Lord, people that are struggling with addictions, people that are struggling with uh, kids, um, just all kinds of things. And I wanted to give you encouragement today. Uh, Jesus told a story about the prodigal son. Now, Jesus was a master storyteller, wasn't he? And Jesus always adapted to whatever needed to be said. If he was talking to fishermen, what kind of story would he tell? He'd tell a story about fish. If he was talking to farmers, uh, what, what kind of story would he tell? He'd tell uh, some kind of story about planting and sowing and reaping. And so uh, he was a master storyteller. Uh, and he told this story, the prodigal son. And the prodigal son is a story. There's a lot in here. And we're going to cover... Uh, a few things, and we still won't uncover all of it today. But it conveys, the main message that the story of the prodigal son con, uh, conveys is, the door is always wide open for sinners to come home. Amen. Amen? The door is always wide open for sinners to come home. Now, here's the reality of the prodigal son. There's three characters in the prodigal son. There is the father... Uh, who in this story really represents God and his love for us. There is the prodigal son himself, uh, which uh, represents you and me. And then there is uh, the older brother. And the older brother's not really mentioned a whole lot until the very end. Uh, but there's also that, that guy in the story, the older brother. We're going to look at each one of the, people, the characters involved in this story. And what I hope you're going to see is... is all of us have been one of those characters at some point in our life. Maybe you've been the father. Maybe you've been the one that's had your heart broken. Maybe you're the one who's very distressed over your children or your spouse or your friend or your loved one or your co-worker. Maybe you're the one that's just brokenhearted and you take a lot of responsibility for that. And it breaks your heart. And... You have a lot of questions for God. Uh, I, I want to minister to you if that's where you're at today. Now, the reality is whether any of us, all of us want to admit it in this room or not, we've all been the prodigal son, haven't we? We have all gone our own way. We are like sheep who have gone their own way. Bah, bah, Miss Mary. Amen. We're all like sheep who have gone astray. Amen. And so we've all been the prodigal son. There had been a time before you got saved, there was a time where you didn't, you didn't think about God. You would not have considered yourself an enemy of God, but the Bible says that you got to choose one side or the other, but you just had no thought of God. You were too busy living your own life. You were too busy trying to please your own self and please your own flesh, and so God just kind of got pushed to the back, amen, kind of got ignored, all right? That's what happens with the prodigal son. It's not necessarily, you, the prodigal son wouldn't have considered himself an enemy of God. He just would have said, I'm just, I'm missing out. I got to go see what all this is all about. I hear all these stories. I got to go check it out. Amen. I'm missing. Nobody wants to be the one who missed out on something. Amen. And so most of us in this room, if not all of us, have been the prodigal son. And then the older brother. The older brother, this may not apply to everybody, but maybe you're here. Maybe you've been saved for a while. And maybe you've been doing the right thing for a while. 
And it makes you mad when you see the evil prosper. Makes you mad when you see somebody uh, living like the devil and get saved at the last minute and everybody can just gather around. In other words, we get a little, get a little self-centered about it, don't we? Well, you know, I've been doing the right thing all my life. You know, it can happen in ministry. You know, I can say, I got saved when I was 15, surrendered to the ministry when I was 17. This guy over here goes, lives like the devil for 30, 40 years of his life, gets saved, and then the Lord blesses him. He starts becoming an itinerant evangelist, and he's going around the world preaching, and people are coming down the aisles and getting saved. God, that ain't fair. I've served you all my life. I gave you most of my life. And this guy comes along, gets saved, like Brother Buck, 38. Gets saved late in life, lives like the devil up until that point, and you're going to bless him, and he gets to do the things I don't get to do. I want to do those things. We can get selfish, angry. I want my peace. Amen? Mm, that's a hard one to swallow. But many times we are the older brother. So let's, let's start with the story. A great place to start. Luke chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, turn there. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. We're going to read the whole story. So follow along with me best you can. Uh, I'm going to take a swig because it's a long one. And uh, try to keep up with me on the slides. It says, then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Father ain't even dead yet. Let me stop right there. Father ain't even sick. And these two, this one selfish boy shows up and says, I want my part now. I don't want to wait till you die. Good Lord, you could live another 20 years. So I, I want my part now. Very selfish, very selfish. And this is what he says. So the father says, you know, you're breaking my heart, but okay. And so he uh, he gives them their portion, all right? It says, not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. He's feeding the pigs now. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. Now, this guy, his father was very wealthy. It doesn't say how much money he squandered, but you can be guaranteed he squandered a lot of money. This guy went, and he lived high on the hog. Can I tell you this? Some of you, I've known you. God was, is not going to bless you with a lot of money because I've seen the way some of you spend your money. You'd go crazy with it. Amen. And this prodigal son, he was not good with the money. He was not a good manager of money. So he goes and he just wants to live. He wants to please his flesh. And he goes, he spends his money on everything wrong you can spend it on. And he squanders it. All right. So he squanders all of it, um, spends all of it. And he ends up having to take a job feeding pigs. And he's so poor and so destitute, he's having to eat out of the pig slop. Okay? says, so, but when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? Now, here he is. He finally comes to his senses, and, he's, and he finally realizes what? Hmm. You know, I actually had it pretty good. 
My daddy did everything. I lived in my daddy's house. I ate my daddy's food. I ate off my daddy's table. I didn't have to want for anything or do for anything. Mm, you know, I, I actually, I ended up having it pretty, pretty good. Father, it's sad it takes us uh, a long time to recognize that sometimes. Some of you, can I tell you, look at me. You got it pretty good. You got it pretty good. Amen. Now, again, I know some people, we got hardships. Some people here got less than others. But I'm here to tell you, compared to 90% of the rest of the world that is mostly third world countries, you got it pretty good. All right? So he says this, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he decides that's what he's going to do. It says, and he rose and he came to his father. Now I want you to get this picture. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. That part of the story always gets to me. It gets me emotional. Because this father, if he was standing out there looking, what does that mean? He was, he was watching. He was expecting. He never gave up on him. He never stopped looking for him. He would spend most of his day out there just watching for us. And when he sees him afar off, he's filled with compassion, judgment. I'm going to give that boy a piece of my mind when he gets up here. Well, you wait till you get up here. No. He has compassion in his heart. He does not judge him, and he takes off running down the hill. And he falls on him, and he kisses him. The greatest picture of mercy and grace and compassion, that's how your heavenly father sees you. Man, it's to me every time. Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That's called repentance. He sees his error of his ways. And the father has the opportunity. The son leaves the door wide open. All right, daddy, let me have it. Let me have it, daddy. I know you've been wanting to say I told you so. I know you've been wanting to just lay into me. So I just opened the door. Here you go. But what does the father do? But the father said to his servants, I ain't got nothing to say about that. He says, you bring out the best robe and you put it on him. You put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost. Now he's found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field when all this happened. And as he came and he drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. The older son, what's he doing? He's out in the field working. He's working. He's the good son doing what he's supposed to be doing. So he called one of the servants and he asked what these things meant. What's, what's all this dancing and music coming from the house for? He said to him, your brother has come. and Because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and he would not go in. This is his brother. Won't go in. 
Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. In other words, he says, I know what you did. I know. I saw. I saw. I know what you did. But guess what? All that I have is yours. It's always been yours. You've lived in my house. You've ate at my table. I've taken care of you. That should not make you angry at your brother. You've had it good. You've lived here. Yes, you did the right thing. But you know what? My goodness is not just for you and just the ones that do it right all the time. My goodness is for my other son over here who didn't necessarily do it right. And he's come back for forgiveness. He said, it was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Mm. Whew. Man, powerful, powerful story. So I want to give you, just look at all three of them. Let's start with the prodigal son. We'll look at him first. He had dissatisfaction. What was the emphasis behind the prodigal son being dissatisfied with his life? I'm going to give you three things. Number one, dissatisfaction created comparison in his life. He had had everything he needed, but he began to think that he was missing out on the fun and the freedom to go and sow his wild oats. Listen, young people, I know what the world wants to tell you. Oh, you live for God when you're young, you're missing out on all the fun. Man, there is drugs out there that will make you feel ten times as good. They'll make you feel bulletproof. Can I get an amen, adults? They'll make you feel ten foot tall and bulletproof. Are you? Adults, help me out here. Is it worth it? No. But the world's going to tell you, oh, you're missing out. Alcohol, man, it's going to make you, it's going to take your inhibitions away. It's going to make you load lighter. It's going to, it's going to do everything for you. It's going to fill the gaps for you. You're missing out. Adults, no danger zone, danger. It will rob you. It will steal from you. It will kill you and it will destroy you. Sex, I want to go out and I want to, if it feels good, do it. I just want to. I just want to have sex with everybody, anybody, any, just, I just want to go out there and I want to live wild. Listen, I'm here to tell you, you are seeking to fill gaps that cannot be filled by the things of the world. It created comparison. If you think your life is bad, you need to wise up. Because no matter really how bad it is, you could have been born in Haiti. You could have been born in, uh, certain other parts of the world that are third world countries and you'd be lucky to be living in a, a cardboard box with a dirt floor amen so in comparison we've got it really really good all right and the devil but here's the thing the devil is what he is a liar he is a liar and a deceiver and so the way all this starts is is the devil starts to come in and say who you see them people you, anybody remember when they advertised cigarettes on TV? What did they make cigarettes? They still do it with beer. What did they make cigarettes and beer look like? 
Whoo, everybody's good looking. Everybody's having a good time. Where are the ugly people smoking the cigarettes? Amen. That's what I want to. Where are the ugly people drinking the beer? They ain't there. Why? Because it's all, it's just all, it's false. It's false. People get paid a lot of money to make you think you're missing out. If you ain't smoking these smokes, you're missing out. You ain't having fun. If you ain't drinking this beer, you are not having fun. You're not really having fun unless you're drunk. Unless you can't remember it the next day, you didn't really have fun. Does that make any sense at all? No. I must have had fun. I don't remember any of it. That's what alcohol will do to you. It kills your brain cells. Amen? If you want to be stupider than you are now, boy, that's good English. Amen? If you want to be stupider than you are now, just add something to kill the brain cells. Amen? But the world wants to tell you, you are missing out. It, compares, it wants to compare your life. Your life's boring. Man, you need to do something else. You need to get out there with the people who are really running around and doing things because your life is extremely boring. You know what? You get a little older and you realize, you know, boring ain't quite so bad. Boring's kind of good sometimes. Keeps you out of trouble. Amen. All right. Number two, uh, dissatisfaction caused a desire within him. What happens? You open the door and your flesh begins to take part. Every addiction starts with the first try. And when you open that door to the first try, many times that's all it takes. I've heard about certain drugs. Now, I'm, I've been lucky I was able to stay away from drugs most of my life. Uh, uh, not necessarily alcohol, but, but drugs. Uh, ne never really touched it. But I've ministered to a lot of people and tried to help a lot of people who struggle with it. And they tell me there are certain drugs like meth and different things like that and other stronger drugs that you don't get a second chance. Basically, those kind of drugs, one time and you're addicted. And you will do anything. You will sell your family. You will sell your soul. You will steal from your own family. You'll sell your body. You will do anything to get that drug. That's how, the way it's been described to me by somebody who's been addicted to it. That's, man, one time. Can you imagine? One mistake. One time. Open the door just one time and you're, you're lost. Be terrible. But it happens, all right? Uh, his sin nature began to expose its cravings. His flesh and desire lied to him and told him he was missing out on good things in life that would satisfy him. Can I tell you this? Sin will never satisfy you. Things and inanimate objects and alcohol and drugs and stuff and money will not satisfy you. Whatever it is you want to go chasing after it will not satisfy you. I know it's an old cliche, and I know there's a lot of songs that some people think's hokey about it, but there really is a God-sized hole in your heart, and only he can fill that hole. That's why you can go do all of those things. Solomon did it, and he wrote about it in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and he, called, he said, vanity, oh vanity. It's all chasing after the wind. Everything we do, all that stuff we chase after, it will not fill that hole. That's why you can do all that and still come up and say, is that all there is? Okay? Number three thing, his dissatisfaction forced him to make a decision. At some point, you get dissatisfied enough, you say, I want to enjoy life, which means I want to leave what I have, and I'm going to involve myself in some things that probably will not be acceptable to my parents, 
or to other people in my family, and they're not going to accept me. So therefore, I'm going to go run, and I'm going to go live with these other people who want to do the things I do. That's how people end up in crack houses. That's how people end up in uh, just these shanties with a bunch of other alcoholics. That's how people end up in places that they look up one day and they go, how in the world did I get here? You look up one day and you realize, how in the world did I get here? How did I come so far? How did I fall so far away from God? Maybe a lot of people grow up in church. They grow up and they hear the gospel. They do the right thing all their lives. Uh, there's a lot of what I call late bloomers. There's a lot of people that, man, they towed the line and they lived for the Lord. As long as they were living in mom and daddy's house, they did the right thing. They were good kids. And then they get that first taste of freedom at 18, 19, 20 years old, and they can't handle it. They're late bloomers, and they just go nuts. They've never had the freedom, and now they have the freedom, and they just go crazy. I've seen people wait till in their late 20s and finally stop living with mom and daddy, and then just go, they get a little freedom, and nobody's watching over them, and they just can't handle it all. They just totally go bonkers. And they want to try everything and do everything and really mess themselves up. And listen, it's bad enough when you're 20, but when you're doing that and you're still in your 30s, when you're supposed to be getting it together, you're, you're going to make yourself a mess. You're going to end up a 45, 50-year-old drunk who can't hold a job and who can't handle anything or all tanked up on meth, other drugs, or have... You're going to be in a fog all the time. Listen, some of this stuff, and I know some people say, well, you know, weed's just weed. Can I tell you this? Anybody smokes a lot of weed? How do you know, Brother Mark? Again, I've ministered to a lot of them. Anybody who smokes a lot of weed, all the brain cells ain't there. And they, you talk to them, it's like they're walking in a fog. They're in a fog all the time. Don't tell me stuff won't affect you. It affects you. Now, before we get to self-righteous adults, a lot of us are eating ourselves to death, aren't we? Amen? So the reality is whatever we're addicted to, it's slowly killing us, all right, until we wake up and realize, all right? Okay, let's look at the next guy, the father. Here's where some of you are. You are the father. I've talked to many of you in the last couple of weeks, and your heart's broken, your heart is wounded. Can I tell you this? It's okay. It happens. Happens a lot. Probably happens more often than not. Because, again, we've all been there. We've all become the prodigal son at one point. So guess what? I would tell you this. Have faith in God and don't take it too personal. Sometimes we take it extremely personal because... We want to question God, did I not do the right thing? Did I not raise them the right way? Was I, was I a terrible parent? And some people beat themselves up and never get over it because they want to blame themselves. Can I tell you this? Take some of that blame off of you. Take it off your shoulders and put it aside because you ain't God and you're not maybe as powerful as you think you are. Those kids will grow up, and even if you teach them all the right things, they become adults, they're going to stretch their wings, and they're going to make the wrong decisions. And many of them will go their own way, and it will break your heart. Many of them will break your heart right to your face. 
and you have to just pray for you have to be like the prodigal like the father or the prodigal son and just say this is what you want you're grown they become grown and you can't make them do anything anymore amen and all you can do is pray for them and that's really hard for us because you you go 18 years totally controlling everything this human being did and now all of a sudden you got to let the ropes go and you got to let them be an adult and that means letting them make mistakes but can i tell you this there's a thing called free will don't beat yourself up too bad your your grown kid is a grown adult and they will make bad decisions and they have a free will doesn't mean you didn't do the right thing doesn't mean you didn't bring them up the right way now you have a choice do you coddle them in their sin or do you say i don't approve of your sin i love you and i'm not going to judge you but i want you to know what you're doing is not right now i want you to understand me to love your prodigal does not mean to condone your prodigal let them know where you stand you don't have to say it in a judgmental way but let them know where you stand i love you and i will always love you and you couldn't you can't do anything to make me not love you but i'm here to i i don't like what you're doing with your life i don't like the decisions you're making that's okay because they need to know they need to know that again not with judgment or condemnation and with a whole lot of love but still minister to them but let them know man god's not for that god's not honored in that and i don't agree with it but i love you i love you you're being a knucklehead ain't nothing wrong with telling the truth you're being a knucklehead you're making stupid decisions let me look you right in the eye and i'm going to tell you you're making stupid decisions but i love you and i'm going to love you to the very end and i'm going to keep praying for you amen his heart was wounded poor father you ask these questions why god why where are they god why would they treat me this way can i tell you this again take the pressure off yourself it's not you it's sin the devil is very powerful and before you get too high and mighty it's easy to forget when you're the father that you were once the son hello am i ringing anybody's bell it's when you're the father and you're on that side of it it's hard to remember but guess what you remember when you were 18 19 20 and you didn't want to hear anything your parents had to say and these people are stupid and I can't wait to get out of this house where I can do what I want to do don't forget we was all there amen all right so take the pressure off yourself it ain't you it's sin and I, as I've told you many times, if somebody tells you sin ain't fun, they ain't doing it right. Because sin is fun. It was designed to be fun. It caters to the flesh, so it makes you feel good, okay? But it will slowly kill you from the inside, all right? His heart was wounded, number two. The father was waiting patiently for him, the son. Your heavenly father was patient with you. Be patient as you wait on your prodigal. Never gives us an indication in this story how long it took the prodigal to get come to his right senses. But you know what it does say? The day he came over that hill, how many years had the father been standing on that balcony looking every day? Every day. Never giving up, never stopping praying. 
having faith, God, I know you can do it. And he stood on that balcony, no telling how many years, waiting on his son to come to his senses. The father is waiting patiently. Wait patiently on your prodigals. Pray, pray, pray. You can never pray enough for your prodigals. Number three, he's watching for him. He never gave up on him, and he watched, and he hoped, and he prayed. And then number four, and this is the hard one, because everybody loves saying, I told you so. <laughs> oh, I can't wait till they come walking back to that door and we'll give them a piece of my mind. I told you so. Mm -mm. Number four, he welcomed him home, no judgment. That's a hard one. Don't you sit there and look at me like it ain't a hard one. It's a hard one because we all want a pound of flesh and we all want to look him in the eye and say, <laughs> yeah, I told you. You didn't believe me, did you? I told you you was going to fall on your face. What is that going to do? That ain't going to do nothing, is it? I told you you'd fail. I told you you'd fall on your face. I told you you was sorry. I told you you wouldn't amount to nothing. You just defeated the entire thing, all that praying. All that loving and all that praying, you can kill it with one bad attitude. So come on, fathers, mothers, amen. All right? This is how God loves you. The heart of God, your father, is so tender, he rejoices when a sinner comes home, and he restores them to his household. No judgment. That's the way the Heavenly Father is. Do you know if you choose to come to Christ today for the first time, or you choose to come back to the Lord because you've wandered away, did you know he will welcome you with open arms, and he will not judge you, he will not condemn you. He is always waiting with his arms open wide. That's the way the Father loves you. That's our example. That's the way we are to love. I'm going to give you four things of how God loves you. God loves you, number one, with forgiveness. God loves you, number two, with acceptance. God loves you, number three, with restoration. And God loves you, number four, with rejoicing. Mm. All right. The last guy. Let's look at the old sourpuss. The brother. All right. The brother. Only got two things to say about him because he's uh, kind of at the very end of the story. But the brother was number one. Now, there again, I'm talking to people who've been saved a long time. Sometimes we want to we want to get a little self-righteous, and we say, you know, if you really love Jesus, you act like me. If you really love Jesus, you look like me, and you act like me, you do what I do and do what I say. And somebody walks through those doors back there, and I can tell by the way they dress. I can tell by certain things. I can tell by how many tattoos they got, or I can tell if they got certain kinds of piercings or where those piercings are, or I can tell just by what they smell like. Because many times, you know what? Sin smells. Right? I've been doing this a long time. I don't even have a great nose anymore. But I can smell sin. You know if you smoke all the time, even if you do it in a closet? Yeah. You know what? One of the things that breaks my heart sometimes, because I get this sometimes, I get somebody that comes up to me and they say, Brother Mark, pray for me. I'm really struggling. And they come up here and they ask for prayer. And sometimes I get the aroma of alcohol and mouthwash. Do you think I don't know? We're all trying to cover something up. 
But I'm here to say that's okay. The Lord wants you just like you are. Amen. He wants you just like you are. He's not judging. He's not judging. The brother was self-righteous. Even if he'd have walked in there, he'd have said, there's my brother. I can smell it on you. You've been doing all the wrong things. Hey? I can smell it on you. He was self-righteous. He didn't want to rejoice that his brother was home, that his brother had come to his senses. He's like, I've been living right all my life. How dare you show up? I'm out there working the field right now. And you show up, and Dad's throwing you a party here. How fair is that? This is the way we, we get a few years on us as a Christian, and we can, we can get a really bad attitude. It's all about me. God bless me. All right? He responded with anger instead of joy. I've done everything right, and you never gave me a party. What had happened to the older brother? He forgot to be what? Grateful. He forgot to be grateful. The, the brother had been, he, he, he knew the father loved him, and he'd always been faithful to that. But he got jealous. Jealousy and envy will get you every time. Amen. And can I tell you this? The worst sin, Jesus only had harsh words for the ones, there was only one sin that really made Jesus get angry. And it was this one right here. Remember the Pharisees and Sadducees and the people who hated Jesus and hated his message? They were the most religious people. And I tell you, if you're being self-righteous and you want to look and sneer at somebody who comes through the back door who doesn't look quite right, you've just committed the worst sin of all of them. You've committed the one that Jesus hates the most. Self-righteous, all right? And then number two, the brother couldn't see the goodness and the graciousness of his brother returning home because why? He was too self-consumed. Christians, look at me. The reason we don't share the gospel, the reason our heart doesn't break for lost people is we are too self-consumed. We are self-consumed with everything in our lives. We are self-consumed with everything that happens in our lives. It's all about us. It's all about us. It's all about me. And I don't care that my brother was lost and now he's found. I don't care that my brother was dead and now he's alive. What about me? What about me? If we could get out of our self-consciousness and our self-consummation, being consumed with ourselves, we would have a heart that breaks for the lost. We would have a heart that cares whether people are going to hell. You might drive around town, somebody cuts you off, and you tell them to go to hell. Some of you are more concerned with what the preacher just said than you are with the message behind it. But the truth is, that's what we're telling people. When we don't care enough to share the gospel with people, we're literally telling them, you can just go on and go to hell. Because we're too self-consumed with our own stuff, our own life. And I'm not saying, hey, we all got a life, and your life is your life, your story is your story. But guess what? While you're living your story, I'm living my story. And I don't have time to worry about your story. I'm too busy living my story. Man, Scripture says that we are to treat others as more important than ourselves, that we are to be concerned with other people. Put yourself to the side and begin to care about other people, and your life will totally change. Would you bow your head and close your eyes if you would? 
I don't know where you see yourself this morning. I don't know which character in the story you see yourself as. But quite honestly, if you're any of the three, you probably need prayer this morning. And you need to come to this altar and pray. Maybe you're the father and your heart has been broken and you're, you just don't know what to do about your, your prodigals in your life. Can I tell you this? Get on your knees. Be faithful. Pray, 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 pray. Pray with anticipation and pray with compassion and mercy. If you're the prodigal son, maybe you've wandered away from the Lord. Maybe the Lord is showing you, you need to put that silly stuff aside. It's time to grow up. Can I talk to some of you today? It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. Put away childish things. Become a man or a woman. All right? Maybe today you see you're, you're the older brother and you, you got slapped upside the head with that today. I'm a little too self-consumed. I'm a little too worried about myself and my own stuff to even be happy for my brother. Wherever you're at today, if you need to pray and ask the Lord and to come into your heart and save you or to recommit your life to him, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'm just going to ask you to pray this after me if that's you today and you need that. Just say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And right now, the best way I know how, Lord, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And right now, I just ask you to come into my heart to forgive me of my sins and to save me. I make you my Savior and my Lord. Now, I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but I would like to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time for salvation or a second to a hundred time for a prayer of recommitment, would you just lift up a hand so I could pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just a moment. We're going to have a time of response. I'm going to ask you if you raise your hand to come and let me pray for you. I'll just, uh, you don't have to say anything. Just say, I prayed that prayer with you a minute ago. I just would love and count an honor and a privilege to pray for you this morning if you lifted your hand just now. You need to come and pray for your prodigals. You need to come and pray over... Um, something in your life I don't know what it is this is your time to do business with God this altar is open uh, brother Martin is going to be on this side of the stage to pray with you if you need him to I'll be on this side of the stage father have your will and your way during this time in Jesus name we pray amen let's all stand Julie's going to lead us we're going to sing you come and pray as you need to
that chorus. I think a lot of people found themselves in one of those parts of the story today. And I do want to encourage you to just, uh, if you're the father, never stop praying, never stop loving. Again, you don't have to condone it. You don't have to put up with it. Uh, you just have to tell them, I don't agree with what you're doing with your life. I think you're doing some crazy stuff, but I love you. I love you unconditionally, and I will always be there for you. You're the prodigal son. Stop running. Stop trying to fill that hole with the things of this world. It ain't going to happen. If you are the older brother, stop being so judgmental. Stop having a hard heart. Have a compassion for the lost. When somebody walks through those doors that don't look just the right way, that ought to make your heart just be full of love more than anything else. Lord, help me love this person. It's easy to love the people that look like you, smell like you, talk like you. It's a lot harder to love the ones that look different, act different. But they need you to love them. Amen. Uh, I want to ask you again, please remember Uncle Buck's family. Please be here at 3 o'clock uh, to support them. And uh, for us to remember Brother Buck, there's a good picture right there. Amen. And uh, sweet, sweet man. But guess what? We all have an appointment. Don't know when that day is. And again, we got to live our lives. got to run that race and run it well. Amen. Father, we love you today. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Thank you that you're a father that never gives up on his children. Go with us now. Help us have a great rest of the day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>